Well, the way in which the brain actually comes to making connection is when you stop thinking about stuff. You let it go, you do something else, in the back of your mind, all the neurons connect, and at some point it just pops up. The answer will just emerge. This is the Live Into Your Brilliance podcast with me, Al Kenny, and my partner in crime, Mark Billows Bilby. This is the place where we shine a light on the brilliance and the truth of the human condition, whilst blow up the illusions that get in our way. Today, our guest is a former colleague of ours. His official bio is that he was born and raised in Rome, where he studied computer science, before moving to London, where he has created an epic career as a technologist and leader, first with Mimecast and now with Proton, where he is the director of engineering. The unofficial bio is that he is a husband, father, leader, activist, and coach who describes his life as an unfolding along the paths of exploration and connecting dots. He is driven by the need to make a positive impact and is passionate about societal change, evolutionary systems, emergent leadership, and organizational structures. We kicked off our conversation with Matteo, asking him about some light bulb moment that made him realize something needed to change in his life. What might have been the turning point in, uh, I guess, in my career, also in my journey in life, it's it probably dates back to my time as a technical manager uh, at Mancast in engineering. And there was, you know, as any technical coder that at some point becomes a manager and gets to the realm of the organizational hierarchy, you think you're doing it all right because you're being promoted and your ups are, you know, decent quality. It's not better. And you get compliments and congratulations and just think you figure it out until it comes to the point where you realize you haven't because you wake up one night and you're full of stress and anxiety and you just realize that this new incredible gig that has landed on your plate in which case in that case it was the high sheriff web security project was um so interesting but you just don't have capacity to take it on And then you maybe look at your team and you say, hey, now it's time to step up. Now it's time for you to lead. And you expect this such engagement and they'll come and rescue you and they all grow and they look at you as if you were an alien. And that's where you realize you, you haven't got anything sorted out. And, <laughs> and probably it's about the time that you decide whether you want to go back and code or if you want to figure out how to do this thing. <laughs> That was probably the, the moment for me that uh, where I realized, yeah, something needed to change. That moment, and it's interesting that you remember it so distinctly and, and, and it was so profound for you. What, you. You mentioned that you kind of woke up with a, a sense of anxiety and, and, and feeling a little overwhelmed. Um, why, why do you think that that was like what was what was going on at the time that uh, those feelings kind of emerged i i guess that's probably a combination of two things uh one was an opportunity that was very important for me so back in the days i was kind of thinking that was maybe my time at mancas was over i mean there wasn't too much scope to for growth in the mobile upside. And when this web security project arrived, it kind of brought back um, a future and then a 
possibility to step up, to work with leaders that were coming from outside of the organization and grew a lot. So I, I felt very excited about it. And yet at the same time, it also brought the expectations, like, am I going to be good enough for that? Uh, which, yes, goes back to the original certain <laughs> uh, sort of lead that we all need to remove from ourselves if we want to do something in life. And, um, and also the realization that the moment in which I needed to scale or my team needed to scale to go and fill the gap that I was about to leave, they weren't ready. You, you know, we had a we had a previous guest on um, Mavis Khan who talks about this wonderful uh, alarm system that we have, which is our feelings. And you know, there's some people ship with the idea that oh, you know, they're they're bad feelings and then they're good feelings. But Mavis's sort of approach to it is well, no, there's no such thing as bad feelings. All feelings are wonderful because. They're pointing the whole time. They're, they're your kind of built-in GPS, and they're saying, "Hey, if you're anxious or you're feeling overwhelmed, then uh, it's pointing to the fact that you're probably attaching to some low-level, scary thinking, and you're scaring yourself to death. Uh, or if you're if you're feeling like you're in a good place, you're you're probably attaching to the right kind of thinking." Or Perhaps you're not even listening to the noise in your head at all. It, you're just you're just kind of in a, a, a very present, uh, peaceful state, and and you're open to the the knowing of the universe. And and I guess my question is, when you when you found yourself in this rather anxious, uncomfortable state, did you were you aware of uh, of you observing you? Or, or how did you, how did you kind of react to that moment, and 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 where did you, where did you make a, a decision to, to not, be the, in that state to to be Matteo the me and and rather sort of look at it from the eye. I think I didn't quite have that awareness back then, so that was probably the first time in my career where I went through it prolonged period of difficulties in terms of possibly mental health. I mean, I churned through that, mostly driven by my ambition of making it work. And yet it took me two to three months uh, to get on the other side of it. And so it was only at that point towards the end in which I kind of realized that, you know, it was all connected to, um, you know, my thoughts or how I was feeling. And that I needed to let go of that because the only way to enjoy the journey and the only way to be actually uh, productive going forward is to stop uh, with the idea that I needed to spend time in impression management or proving anything to anyone and, and just living it at the fullest and enjoying the ride and see where I would land. And in case, you know, I, if I landed on my feet, great. If I landed on my back, great. Fine, I would have learned from it, and that. But it took me a few months to get to that point. And did you have anybody who sort of pointed to anything for you, or or did, was it something that you sort of re- realized and became aware of on your own? I think there were a couple of things. On um, uh, I started it. On, I mean, there was my wife when back in the days, my girlfriend. That was um, uh, probably the first year we were together. She told me, "Hey, uh, I kind of." I kind of see from here that you are 
probably not fully in yourself and, you know, and, and maybe you are, um, you know, you're feeling a little bit too much the weight and she's been great in helping me out there. Um, and she's been since, I mean, I had two or three times this thing and she looks how and she say, Hey, you're in your head again, carrot. And I see a carrot slide. It's like, and I come back to reality. That's our joke. <laughs> You're going to have to explain the carrot in a moment, but sorry, keep going. <laughs> but uh, on the other side, I actually started studying and researching why I wasn't scaling and why I was feeling like that. And that's where, um, I, that's what I tend to do. I just try to look at the, or the neuroscience, a part of the story. And also I realized that it was much, a much more common thing um, for leaders to feel like that. And then I started to look at how I could, uh, what kind of frameworks or techniques I could use to get out of the mindset and also to start and, and grow in my team so that, um, you know, that I, I will, I would have avoided in the future to get to a point where I was going to be overwhelmed because there wasn't enough support. Matteo, what um, you mentioned there, like you found frameworks and things like that. What specifically did you, uh, were there any specific things that you found immensely useful in terms of just being able to um, either recognize when you've been, as you say, going up into your head um, and perhaps getting attached or things that allowed you to let go more easily? Were there any things that's, that stood out in particular? You know, the, the, the first thing is really like that. Uh, letting go of the need of proving yourself or being right or knowing what to do. That's, if you accept that, if you reframe the whole journey as a learning process, as a journey of discovery, um, if you don't expect yourself to be having all the answer ready all the time, then it all becomes a lot easier. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I fucked up. Fine. That's uh, obviously if you do the same mistake over and over again, you're not learning from it. There's a capability and a competency problem. That's a different story. And then obviously you get the sack. But generally speaking, nobody really expects you to be 100% there knowing everything. It's just in your mind. It's just, it was just myself that is setting those very high standards. Mm-hmm. Did you feel? Did you feel a sense of? Uh, I don't know if the word is surrender or kind of letting go of the narrative in your head, or or, or however you would articulate that. But whatever you did, and however you frame that to yourself, was there an instant feeling of relief, or did it come slowly? I think. I think in terms of my own. I would call it going back to the frame of psychological safety, as in the ability, so on an individual level, the ability of just, you know, being and being myself and challenging the status quo or saying the things I would see without worrying on the repercussions or the impression management. That was an instant feeling of relief because this is how I usually am outside of work. Okay. That's, that's my life. I mean, I, I experimented. I'd say the things I, uh, think are in the, uh, let's say, in the interest of the relationship, of the organization. But at work, I just couldn't do it because, you know, the, 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 the mindset or the culture, like cultural legacy is that, you know, you study your 
environment that you look at what your boss says and then you try to comply to the sort of behavioral norm. And the behavioral norm was not what you wouldn't do that. You know, you respect the hierarchy, you do your work. <laughs> and so the moment I actually accepted to be myself and to politely say what I was seeing without worrying, then it was like, yeah, oh, that's cool. I actually can come to work and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, and, and, the, and the sky didn't fall in. No, nah, it never does, really. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's one of the, the myths that we love blowing up, you know. Uh, I mean, Al, Al talks about this the whole time is, is you know, when you, when you do suddenly have that insight and that awareness and, and then you, you, you see it for what it is and you see that you've been running up against these limitations of your thinking for so long and they've never really served you well. And then you take that brave first step. Um, and, and quite honestly, like not much changes really. You, you're just showing up as the authentic self and letting go of that narrative. And then nothing, nothing happens. You know, there are no repercussions. And, 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 and then you take the next bold step and then you just keep following that well, I, I think Al's got a lovely phrase for it, that, that lightning path and, and the magic, the magic happens and the possibilities happen. And it's, it's wonderful. So yeah, very cool. I, I do want to know about the character. And see, I was, I know, I knew I was going to play the character at some point. I think that's always makes an entry. So I, I live mostly in my head. I mean, I follow six, seven different threads and um, I have troubles with getting my brain to rest and shut down, which is great for being very productive and following dots and working on six things at the same time. It's not so great when you are trying, you know, your wife's trying to have a conversation with you over lunch and your mind is wandering off. So at the beginning, she used to say, hey, come on, like, I am and getting angry at me. But then there was a time and there was probably the second time where I went into very um, difficult um, psycholo you know, psychological state at work in which actually social I needed help in the sense that I was, you know, struggling a little bit. So she took a much more, uh, how do you say, uh, embracing hanging hugging approach and she started to say, okay, whenever I see that you are just, your mind is going off, thinking about what you need to do, what the problems are, the security incident, whatever that is that you're thinking of, I'll, I'll just say something that, uh, your mind will instantly recognize as, as out of place, whether you come back to reality. And she said, I'm going to say carrot. So my brain all of a sudden, instead of not registering her voice on the side, would see a carrot flying and I would know instantly that I need to go back to reality. And that actually works. So whenever I am there with my mind off, which happens very often, carrot, I see it flying, it's like, okay, I need to come back. And it actually they dramatized the whole moment and puts a bit of humor in it. That's fantastic. I love that. It's, yeah. I mean, it, the, you know, the, it's, I think it's probably the same thing as I think I heard this on, um, on Headspace where the Andy says, oh, just touch, touch whatever you're thinking with a feather. 
just touch it gently with a feather. And so you, you're, you, you're more absorbed with the thought of touching this thought with a feather than you are engaging with the thinking. So your, your feather is, is a flying carrot. <laughs> I love it. That's how we will be remembered. There's something in that, though, as well, which I love, which is there's nothing wrong with being in your head. You know, it's like learning to see there's nothing wrong with being in your head. You seem, Matteo, to be so in touch with kind of who you are and being aware of sometimes just like how you operate, like the system's operating, how the system operates. But you can notice, oh, sometimes I go off into my head too much. But like in your case, you got this carrot that just brings you back home. It's like, oh, that's okay, because I can just come back home. Um, and I love that because I think what you're pointing to there is something that catches people out where they look at it and they think it's a problem to go into your head versus, no, like our our mind is incredible. Like you said something there that you can have five, six things, five, six threads running concurrently and and be totally okay with it. It's just sometimes it can go it can over rotate and then you think oh no i just need to bring myself back to ground um like what's like how is your i'm just kind of i'm uh, that's how it sounded to me i'm sense checking with that with you though is that like when you say oh like i can go into my head a lot do, is that something that you see as just part of who you are and how you operate do you see it as a problem like what's what's your perspective on that it has probably changed over time. I now consider it to be a superpower, if you want. So I actually, um, we are absolutely right. I mean, I, I tend to have a multiprocessor, uh, which uh, goes in different direction, which allows me to do, you know, technology leader and activist and stuff and all in parallel. The problem is sometimes I, I you know, you uh, overheat just like multiprocessor. So you go in a point in which you are exhausting yourself because you never really rest. And sometimes you need to rest. So you need to find the right countermeasures. I now know exactly when I'm about to, you know, to overheat. This week was one of, of them. That's why I took the day off before this call. So you need to find the countermeasures. Uh, and for me, for instance, the only way to, you know, get my brain well, the best way to get my brain to, to uh, focus on the present and forget about the rest is mountaineering. That's why, you know, we always talk about mountains and hiking and being in the nature. That's where I actually start to focus on the wonders of where I am at the moment and all the rest becomes a lot less significant. So, yes, uh, as any, any, any of our strengths, uh, yes, you know. There's a point in which it might become a bit dangerous, but that's not about being right or wrong. It's just why I'm, it's how my brain operates. How do you know when you're overheating? I realize I can't focus at all on the details of what I'm doing in that particular moment. Um, one episode is like, you might remember when I started this, this job recently, I was going to Geneva, uh, quite often all the time. And there's a day in which, um, I needed to get to the airport, take a plane, and I, I didn't find my passport. I get in the wrong tube. I arrive at the wrong airport. And I was completely unable to even do the most basic things because as soon as I got on the tube, I just completely started to think about 600 different things. One of them was actually maybe the, the, 
one of our conversation or maybe your first episode of the podcast. I don't remember, but there was something in there about it. Uh, so I, I kind of become clueless to her text. My wife actually texted me and uh, it was like, okay, now, because she was in Paris and she told me, okay, now you take that tube, you count 17 stops, you arrive in King's Cross, you get down from the Piccadilly line <laughs> and, and I started to follow the checklist. And that's when I'm, I'm really overeating. That's the moment in which you start to say, okay, I just need to either sleep or not think for two days. It's going to be fine. And Matteo, um, uh, your comment about mountaineering when, you know, and, and I think this is something I've heard quite a bit, you know, watching documentaries and, 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 uh, very, and listening to various people who do mountaineering. When do you find that when you're mountaineering, you are so present that you have zero ability to focus on anything else because not focusing on what you're doing could potentially have very dire consequences? Yeah, it's the amount of effort it takes or determination just to push through, even if it's not dangerous, but just that is actually, it, it gets your body like neuroscience really to focus on that and your brain and all your faculties are, uh, are really concentrated and everything else becomes out of mind, out of focus. And so that's probably that. And there is also the probably being in nature and being, um, outside of the noise because you know, the, the job, you know, you guys know really well, the job. The jobs we do nowadays and the amount of contact, social connections, noise, messaging and threads and, and socials, it, it, it's a lot to take. And if you are for two or three days just with yourself or with a partner on the mountains, no connections, that's, that's a lot of resting. Yeah. Matteo, I was curious, would you describe yourself as um, a spiritual person? That's an interesting question. I would have normally said no. Uh, um, not in the classic or traditional terms. I mean, I come from, uh, I'm definitely not a religious person. Uh, am I a spiritual person? I'm probably becoming more and more if we think about let me, let me play back. What spirit, how would you define spirituality and who is a spiritual person for you? So let me, let me try and frame it. I don't know that I have a distinct definition of spirituality, but as I was listening to you talk, I guess my definition or how I think about spirituality, I just think about the, the spirit, the being, and a belief in, in that, that there's a, that we all have our true nature is much more is much deeper than we can possibly even comprehend, and that there's something there's something more at play. Like that, we like what's the exp the expression I love is that we are um, spiritual beings having a human experience, and you know, so that kind of seeing the spiritual nature, if you will, that sits behind our existence for me is kind of my slant or my take on spirituality. Like I don't classify myself as being, I guess what I look out and think, oh, am I spiritual? Like, um, 
Ram Das, for example, and go like, he strikes me as a spiritual dude. I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm that, but I see a deeper something at work in the fabric of life. And and I have faith in that. I have faith in in our spiritual essence. And as I was listening to you talk, I was thinking that it sounded to me like that you have a sense of something beneath the intellect per se. And maybe the reason why, if I was to ask the, to add to the question, the reason why I was asking the question is because I think, um, you know, maybe it's because you've mentioned science and, and you're, you've come from a technical background. And I was kind of curious as to what's your perspective on it and whether you think it's something that, yeah, I'll stop there. So I'm interested in what your perspective is first. And then I've probably got a follow-up question around how you think people that are drawn towards a technical or scientific understanding, mm. how you might communicate what you see to them in a way that they uh, would understand it. Yes, if we categorize it as, uh, or if we define it as uh, there is something more at play in the fabric of life, a sort of interconnectedness of the whole humans, animals, nature, absolutely. I think we probably are rediscovering that. I believe our particular society, our branch, our human evolution has lost a lot of it in the last few decades as a minimum, if not centuries. And we are in a process of awakening, awakening and uh, sort of those conversations and, and uh, many others that I have with lots of people seems to confirm that there is an acknowledgement of the fact that we need to walk maybe back rather than forward towards something of the kind. Um, something that might be, you know, some other societies, maybe Aboriginal, uh, Indian, etc. May, may have, you know, may already taken for granted back in the day that we just erased them out of our knowledge. Um, so that, yes. Um, is it scientific as well? It might be scientific. I mean, the problem with science as we take it now is it's very... Uh, we have this view of science as sort of industrial revolution, deterministic A equals B, but science is not only that, uh, sorry, A. Uh, action equals deterministic reaction and very simplistic look at science. But science is also, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, we were discussing the other day, the fantastic fungi and how everything is connected and the brain and the neurons and, and, you know, na nature coming together. That is also science uh, and it is spiritual at the same time. So from that point of view, I take it as a bit of a asimov approach towards evolution and, and societies and togetherness. You know? So given that, I guess the question I've got is, you know, and I want to combine two parts of your story here. One, you had your light bulb moment around this idea of I'm going to show up and just be myself everywhere. Like, I'm not going to try and live up to expectations. I'm going to bring me to all parts of my life, work, activism, all of these things. You, the way you describe that, it sounds like I say, you've got a perspective on what you see is at play in the fabric of life. And I guess I'm really curious, like, how have you brought that to together in the context of your leadership 
in the context of the technical community. And I guess I've got a, a little thing running in my mind that the technical communities at large would push back against some of this and might be a little bit more, um, might, might challenge it some of what we might say as being a bit woo-woo or, you know, they want it to be grounded in like something that's solid and, and factual. So I'm really curious how you've, how you've brought this together and what you've seen in, in, in the kind of, in the world that you live in, maybe the, the technical communities. I, I get where you're coming from and I'm curious then to, um, after my answer, I'm curious to ask you the same thing, uh, but not in terms of technical community, but I'd be curious about your experience, both of you in the non-technical part of uh, your career. Um, I, uh, that's absolutely true. The first time you, I, for instance, let me take an example. When I started to bring in the concept of uh, psychological safety or tapping into collective wisdom. And now you talk about collective wisdom and people look at you like, what the heck are you talking about? You dudes, you get completely crazy. <laughs> Can I just get on and, and chunk some coat? It's like, and that kind of didn't work very well, you know, and you, and you talk about trust and, you know, especially in the older generation and new, new generations are very different. They kind of got, they kind of got it figured out already to a certain extent. Um, so, uh, at some point I just realized over time and over failure and error that you need to speak the language uh, that will land with the recipient, obviously. And uh, if, for instance, you want a metaphor for collective wisdom that resonates with computer scientists, then you use uh, neural network and machine learning. That's, that's something that they'll understand quite like you, you know, we, you can go and say, okay, we're fighting here humanity against um, um, artificial intelligence and you want to actually do it based on your single brain rather than putting together all your brain. So we got a fighting chance to tap into everybody's perspective, information, and then we put it together and quickly we make a decision, the best thing possible, and that, and we learn from it. And that's something that is like, ah, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm training the model, the machine learning model of our, you know, engineering leadership or management group. Perfect. So that's what I tried, for instance, now in Proton. And it's like, oh, yeah, got it. No problem. I didn't have to spend months trying to sell wisdom. And I, I, I haven't uh, heard it articulated like that, but that's, um, that's a great metaphor for it. And it makes perfect sense because you get it instantly and you see how the, the sum is, is greater than, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts when, when you get all the minds uh, uh, collaborating and connecting. Um, and, and, you know, going back to this concept of, of connecting, did you, you know, riffing off Al's question, when you had this growing awareness, did you find that your, your connections in the world changed remarkably? Um, you know, w whether it was in your activism and, and some of the things that you were championing from a, from a civic perspective or a, or a social justice perspective or environmental or, or, or even at work or, or, or even just your, your relationships with your friends, you know, what, what changed when you, when you viewed the world or you came at the world from this powerful sort of inside out place? You know that I don't know whether it's, you know, if, if it's a bit of a chicken and egg, Situation. I don't know whether the 
um, adopting a more curious, open, empathetic way of uh, just showing up and listening to people rather than just fighting on those right is wrong has actually brought me to create a lot more connections. That's probably how it went. And those connections have unlocked pathways in the journey that wouldn't have been accessible to me before just because I was not connecting the dots. And I think that's probably that because if I think about how I got to activism, for instance, it's not uh, uh, something in parallel. I got there through, I guess, Mankas leadership journey, uh, pushing decision-making down the ladder, then looking at organizational design and the silos in between departments. It's like, okay, there must be something better, some ways better to organize this, um, ar the architecture of an organization rather than the pyramid with the silos because that doesn't work. How do you do it at scale? And then I went into Extinction Rebellion in this case, uh, both for environmental reasons, which I discovered through COVID and Minecast and the social justice beat at Black Lives Matter. I mean, there's a lot of connectedness in there, but also because they were utilizing uh, holocratic ways of organizing themselves, which was a neural network distribution. So all this kind of taking interest and speaking to people that are not necessarily the people you interact every day, it kind of brought me over time through exploring a variety of possibilities and getting to know people. And the same conversation we had with Al, I think, you know, Sometimes it just—he uh, was just a consequence of the fact that you know I would love to listen to him as we uh, speak up and reach out one day and the other way around. So um, I guess I yeah I do tend to just show up as someone that loves to listen, connect the dots, and help people find their way within an organization or maybe just break apart break loose from an organization because that's also part of evolving systems and trying to just, you know, it's, it's, it's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm so glad you said that because, you know, a big thing for Al and I on this podcast is, is, the, is the practice, you know, because it, it's great. I mean, we can, we can talk about this till the cows come home and, and you can point, but unless you, unless you really help people implement uh, actual practices that they can go and road test and experiment with and and see things for themselves and i think i think it's it falls short of the mark and 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 i'm so glad you said what you said because i think if you you know anybody listening right now if you want to if you know, like don't take our word for it but go and try this go out and be curious about other human beings and the moment you you become curious about somebody else, whether they're in engineering or sales or marketing or activism or, you know, whether they're from a culture that historically you had no alignment with. It is fascinating what happens when you listen authentically. And and I and I cannot emphasize that enough. And, you know, I've just I've just come back from from a three day uh offsite in 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 Malaga, Spain, where, you know, worked with this awesome amazing group of people from this kick-ass company um and and the whole emphasis was on human connections and it was it was so heartwarming for me to see from day one to day three how a group of people who you know work together and and, and supposedly collaborate together just developed this deepening 
this deeper connection, this energy, this curiosity about each other. And all of a sudden, and one of the guys that was on the, on the offsite said it beautifully. He said, you know, it was, it was interesting when we first arrived at this gorgeous finca um, in, in the hills outside Malaga, he said, you know, people were kind of shaking hands and introducing each other and, oh, oh so you're Mateo. Oh, okay, cool. Nice to meet you. You know, I've only chatted to you on Slack or what have you. And by the end of the thing, they were hugging each other. So it took three days of playing, you know, sort of um, uh, bingo. And, and we had all sorts of things that, you know, they did speed dating, and, and but all sorts of fun things. But then they just hung out together and just chatted, you know, over a glass of wine or or, or, or orange juice. And, and, um, and it was just, it was so wonderful to see what happens when people are authentically curious. And even the cynics, there was one person who said, I really didn't want to enjoy myself in these, in these exercises. And I've, I've, despite myself, I've made remarkable connections and really had some fun. And so, you know, imagine, imagine what could be if we compounded the effect of that. And so it's just the simple practice of exactly what you're pointing to, of just be curious and go and ask questions, uh, it, it unlocks so many paths. That's absolutely true. And if you think about it, in the end, we are, you know, we are all building organizations and societies and groups of people, and we are humans. So we are building relationships. This idea that you're building a machine, that you're fine-tuning the cork of, um, you know, of a car assembly plant is so outdated because it doesn't take into account effectively the needs for people to connect. So you actually go and cultivate that. And when you show up at work, uh, you know that you know the person behind. It doesn't mean you need to hang out and have for beers or etc. It's just that you know that there is a person behind with their stories and you don't need to wonder whether they are I don't know. You just trust them because you know about each other. And there you unlock the potential of working together, which is what makes humans a lot more powerful or a lot more impactful in the bad and in the good way than other animals. We're not stronger. We're not necessarily a lot smarter, but we are a lot more able to connect in bigger and bigger societies. But you need that. You need the visions. You need the mission. You need um, the storytelling. And you need the connections because without that everything breaks a scale what would you say Matteo or Mark and I have an opinion on this as well what would you say is the number one thing or my one two three the top things that get in the way for people that stops them doing that I'll Let's do one each, including you all, shall we? Let's democratize the answer. Let's hear all the voices in the room. Got it. I'm in. I'm game. I would say that, I guess I with the scientific um, interpretation, which is we evolved really, really fast. And inside of our brain and our emotion, there's still a huge component of sort of defensiveness or tribalism. So we are very much cool with our family and close relationship, but we tend to look at each 
each one of the others as someone that might be potentially dangerous for us. Yeah, I, I, I echo that. I think it all boils, boils down to fear. And, and whether it's the fear of the other or, or, or fear of consequences or fear of humiliation, whatever it is. But I think at the base of it, it's fear. And fear comes across, you know, fear wears many cloaks. So fear sometimes shows up as ego or bravado or, you know, aloofness or, you know, disinterest, but it's, it's fear. Well, so I would, I would echo the fear side. And I love what you said there, Mark. It shows up with many different cloaks. Uh, maybe the piece I would add to it is I think the, the combination of fear and a belief that there is somewhere for people to get to that is better than this moment. And so I think it's that world of expectations, which Matteo, you kind of talked about at the beginning, like living in the idea that there is a place that they have got to get to, or there's a way of being that they can find, which is going to be better than this moment. And therefore they miss the opportunity. And they miss the opportunity to be in this moment. They miss the opportunity that is the moment and to be curious because they're off in their heads. And me too, by the way, when I say they, I mean us, all of us, because we end up off in our heads thinking about, right, okay, well, yeah, yeah, like, let's get on because we've got, like, how do we get there? Because there's better than here. And it's the fear of, and it's those two things combined, I think, which, which take people away from the moment. And I heard something this week, which really struck with me. I don't, it's the idea of like a dream outcome. You know, we all talk about the dream outcomes and I don't think anyone that's listening to this is not going to be thinking, yeah, like I love the idea of that being more connected. I love, I'd love to come back to this. I love the idea of just living and joining the dots and Matteo, the way you described, you know, oh, well, my journey was a series of unfoldings and I joined the dots and like I ended up in activism because of like just being in the moment and kind of exploring and being curious. And I think people love the idea of that, of going, oh yeah, no, I would love to be present and just be curious and um, to be allow life to unfold but the bit that gets in their way is I don't think people are convinced that that it will work. It's almost like the, I'd love that. So I'm not against the idea of that. The bit that gets in my way is what's the likelihood of it working for me? And what, you know, what's the, how long will it take? And like, is this going to be really hard? And so in one sense, it's almost easier to stay in the status quo. And and I think what, you know, Mark, you pointed to is, Matteo, I think your life, the way you're describing it is an example to people of, it's not just giving up on it. It's, it's giving up on the idea that there is, that there, it's a place to get to, or it's a way of being. Like, I'm going to hazard a hunch that throughout this journey that you've been on, it's not all smooth sailing. I'm sure that you still have moments where you think, 
geez, where you're up in your head and a hot mess. And I'm sure you have things that show up in your life that you think, gosh, you know, this would not be my preferred set of circumstances. And yet that's part of joining the dots. That's part of living the life from a place of curiosity. It's loving all of that versus thinking there's a place to get to where you don't have any of that. It's just goodness. I got three. I got three things now that you inspired me. The first one is, um, yeah, well, uh, the the you need to accept that your life is going to be a complete mess of chaos, and you're just going to navigate through it, and it's absolutely fine. And actually, the moments where you feel, oh shit, I just couldn't foresee that, and it's definitely not where I wanted to be. They sometimes end up the most insightful ones. It's actually where you make the next step because you are. You can't just defend, you can't just stay in the status quo anymore. You're pushed out of it because it doesn't work. And that's what happened, for instance, a year ago when we first had, maybe a bit over a year ago, when we first had the conversation about where I would take my career, uh, when I, you know, I left Mindcast, it's like, just enjoy the journey, see where it leads you, don't plan it. And it's been amazing. I kept thinking every morning, like, yeah, just enjoy the journey and and, and see where it leads you. So... Yeah, you need to be able to let go of that idea of control. And at the same time, I also think that potentially you might want, or I don't know, for me, I, you, there is a master plan behind it. So I, there, isn't pl- there isn't any place where I need to get to, but there is an aspirational mission or target with myself or where I want to live my life that kind of serves as a compass for which dots I connect and which dots I let go. Let's put it that way. Um, and if I don't get there, it's fine because you need to enjoy the journey and someone else will get there. There's a new generation coming and, you know, the seven generation impact sort of thing we've been discussing sometimes is fine. You know, someone else will do the rest of the work. But yeah, the challenge that for, I guess, for, and my curiosity I have for both of you, and that was the question, as you work with leaders, CEOs, and people who are highly driven, that they have a place to get to. How does this ideal not necessarily having a place to get to lens with them? I'll take a stab at that one. I I think, um, and I think this is really described quite well in a book called The Leader You Want to Be by Amy Jen Su and... um, I'm actually, uh, I, it's a dream of mine to get her on this podcast because I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting her and, and, and using her book. Um, but I, I think for a lot of, I, I think what you've pointed to there and put your finger on is exactly right. I think you've got to cultivate, as part of your awareness, you've got to cultivate a sense of purpose. And that purpose is, how am I going to spend my time, my limited time on this planet um, in pursuit of the things that really interest me and where I think I can, I can be of value to whoever, you know, humanity, an organization, my partner, whatever. So you've got to, you've got to, you've got to bring the, the compass and the clock in, into alignment. And, and Amy talks about this in her book. Um, and I think when you, when you have a, when the when the compass points in the right direction, then you have an a, acute sense of how you want to spend your time. You don't know how it's going to unfold. You don't know all the details, but that awareness and that that sense of direction 
you know, even even if you listen to the podcast we had with with um, Christy Helverson, um, you know, where she talked about Coddy Wampling. Coddy Wampling is this idea that you you set off uh, on an adventure with no specific destination in mind, but you have a compass. There's a there's a sense that you're you you have a an awareness and a purpose, and you're just going out there, and you don't know where it's going to end, but but the knowing is is your compass and so you you're spending your time you're choosing to spend your time on the coddy wample rather than you know in a deadbeat job making you miserable or you know whatever and i think i think having that profound sense of com- of of purpose without actually knowing how it ends or how to get there is very very powerful and i think that's what you're pointing to is you know with your with your career change and where you're going, you've your compass is dialed in. You know how you want to spend your time. You just don't know what the adventure is going to look like, and that's okay, because you you are have this. You're cultivating this immense trust in the in the coddy wample of life, in in the universe, and the and the great unfolding. And so, you can enjoy the journey rather than stressing about. <laughs> where you're headed. <laughs> does that make sense? It, it does make a lot of sense to me. Yes, absolutely. Um, I want to start by saying, I think what we're talking about is ha- hard. It's simple and it's also hard. And, and I'll tell you what, and I think so in answer to your question, you know, working with leaders, working with CEOs and different people, like what's what's their perspective on it? I think the idea of it is so attractive. And I think it's when people break, no matter who you're talking to and when people think they've got a place to get to, and you say, when you get there, what will you have that will be different from now? They say things like, I'll have freedom, contentment, happiness, and I'll be living the life I would love to live. And that's the compelling illusion which is that the vision you have in your mind is the gateway to the life you want to lead. And the challenge for everyone is to give up on that illusion and to, the, to face into the counterintuitive truth, which is your vision is not a place to get to, it's a place to come from. And everything you think that lives on the other side of the vision are actually the ingredients that are going to get you there wherever there is, and you'll only find out as it unfolds for you. And that's freakishly challenging for many people who've been conditioned, like I think we all have, to believe it's the other way around. And when you have investors and when you have bosses and things that are telling you that it's your job to get to there, Um, it takes strong personal leadership to be able to go, yeah, no, I get it. And that is what fuels me. Um, But I'm going to be be guided by my compass, not by some made-up story of what the future is going to look like. Um, And for the people that I've worked with, and actually for myself and Mateo, you and Mark, like, 
This is why I think we have these conversations, is to try and bring real-life examples to the table so that people can see it's not an either-or. Like you, It's a both-end. Like You get to have the experience of life you would love, and that and you can be in like a creative pursuit. Like you can be in the most amazing creative pursuits. Environmental, societal, capital. Like I don't really mind what it is. And I know Mark is actually reading something that he'd written uh, this week. It's like, whatever your purpose is, it's just for you. And just know that's it's like whatever is alive in you, that's what you're meant to be doing right now. Not because it's alive in you and it's trying to tell you anything about the future. It's always telling you something about right now. Um, and so, yeah, that's my perspective. And I think that's what makes it like challenging in some regards. And I think that's probably true if you're a, you know what, I think it's as true if you're a CEO of a major corporation or a, a high growth business as it is potentially if you are you know, in the early stages of your life and just trying to figure it all out. Like I think about my 17-year-old son who's at the moment thinking about uni and stuff. And like, you know, you can see that like the illusion's beginning to kind of fire for him where it's, you know, it's like, I've I got to do this because, and it's trying to go, nah, and like in, enjoy it. But you know what? You can't, everyone has their moments of discovery when they have their moments of discovery. You know, you like I had mine, Mark had his, you had yours. And that, and even that is like a trusting in how life unfolds. It's like, even when it looks like you're in the midst of a really hard place, like I heard you say, Matteo, you know, it's two or three months of, you know, what, what probably felt like tough times. That, that to me is what it feels like to be going through like kind of some form of like it's it's something else emerging on us even if we don't realize it like sometimes it's like the the butterfly coming out of the cocoon uh, it's it's quite sometimes a tough process but that's what makes the butterfly you know even like more spectacular than what had gone before and also stronger so it's just interesting to me that I think what we're pointing to is not that it means everything is going to be easier, but it's living life with more ease. It's like you'll be able to take the easy and the hard with more ease because you're not trying to get anywhere. Um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my my tuppence worth. I, I had an experience this week, um, a, a real world experience with my eldest daughter. Gracie is um, going out into the big wide world as as a newly graduated nurse, registered nurse, and um, and she kind of what should have been, or what potentially could could be a very exciting kind of first foray into, you know, the working life of a of a of a, a hardworking uh, medical professional was causing her a lot of stress because there were three roles. One was in an ICU, one was in med surge, one was on a neuroscience ward. And she was getting really hung up about this process and the application process and 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 commitments that she 
felt she should make or could make and you know and, and her whole language and her whole disposition was full of should have could have you know would have and and I tried to quite gently although I was very tired I was sitting in an airport lounge when I was chatting to her about this and I had, it was like hour 26 of a very long day and um but I tried to gently just say to her you know you're you're scaring yourself to death here you're creating illusions about what it means to go and get one of these jobs before you've ever stepped a foot into any of those wards so why don't you just see it for what it is which is a wonderful opportunity to go on an adventure and if you don't like it you can change there, there are no consequences to that and so and to your point you know you 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 learn things and you see things by just being curious about the one that feels the most interesting and and that's where you want to take your first step anyway um so I, I said it and I probably frustrated her because I didn't give her an, a straight answer. I didn't say, oh, baby, go do, you know, go do med surge. That's the one for you. And, um, and, and I said to her, just surrender it because the answer will pop up. And sure enough, she, she went off into Boston. I think she was in a bad headspace and she hung out with a couple of people, her friends, and, and, and then all, all of a sudden the universe just pointed in all sorts of interesting ways. And she got a few text messages from another person and it just all kind of unfolded perfectly. And then the next morning she was like, Hey dad, I'm, I'm doing, I'm going for the med surge job and I feel really good about it. And I was like, good for you, baby. But now that you've, now that you're aware of how it works, you can't unsee it. So now just learn to trust it more because you'll never be disappointed. Is is it an example of the sacred pose, Mark, or do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I, that's what I try to say to her. I was like, just take a pause, like turn Radio Gracie off, take a pause, see it for what it is, see that you're just attaching to this thinking of these illusions of, of what might be um, and, and just take a step back from that and just see what pops up, you know? Just and and like Al and I talk. This is one of our favorite sayings. It's like, you know, give it up to the universe, give it up to God, give it up to you know, insert your favorite deity. Like, it's it's like just give it up, surrender it, and uh, and see what happens, because something always does happen, and then you take a step in that direction and you see something and away you go. That is wisdom and it works all the time. I mean, how do you told me a year ago, just take a step, just throw it out there um, for everything, you know, for trying things out, you know, don't plan it too much. Just try it, do the step and see how it goes. And it's just the action of doing it this way. You start experiencing and then you feel whether it's right or wrong for you, whether it feels right or wrong. And, and, and you are creating new connection by the act of doing it. Most of the times we stop at the point of thinking things for years without doing any of that. And it's interesting, this, uh, this idea, yes, you say give it, the scientist in me says, okay, you say give it up to God or to the universe and it's absolutely fine. And I reply, well, the way in which the brain actually come to 
making connection is when you stop thinking about stuff. If you think about something too much, is you're actually there with the, I mean, the front part of your brain trying to be cerebral about things and rational. You let it go, you do something else in the back of your mind, all the neurons connect and at some point it just pops up. Like, yeah, that's, that's how it feels. Give it a night, do something different and the answer will just emerge. Don't send that email at six o'clock. Don't send that email at seven o'clock at night when you feel very frustrated. Never do that. I just know it works and everyone else knows it works as well. They're like, yeah, when I take my mind off something, magic seems to happen. Like my best ideas come when I'm not trying too hard to get it right. Um, when people like Gracie's story, like when they take a load off and stop trying to figure it out, they come to the end, the answer comes to them and then they feel good about it. And that's the thing that I think we fall into the trap, two traps. And I kind of want to take, this is like, because we'd love to blow up illusions and I'd like to take an opportunity to blow a couple up. One, you don't need to know how it works. Like, stop trying to figure out, like, how does it work? You'll never understand it. It's freaking magic. I don't mind whether it's like magic of the brain and science, magic of the spirit. It's pretty magical. And I have yet to meet someone who hasn't had an experience of it. It's just you don't need to know how it works. You just need to know that it works and and keep leaning into that. And then, so I'm blowing that one up. And then the other one is this idea of expectations and that there's even a right way to do anything. Like... If people gave up on expecting anything or trying to find the right way so that they get what they think they should get or what they think they should expect, that that alone would probably if they if we gave up on on that and blew that up, that would free us up so much because that's what I've heard in your sharings today, Matteo. Is like when you gave up on the idea of trying to get it right, when you gave up the game of expectations, it brought you back to yourself. And, and you being yourself is a, you're a life liver that lives joining the dots step by step. And so, you know, that's again, easier said than done, but it is, it is, it is simple. Like we keep coming back to, you know, if you were to break it down, you go, can't be as simple as just living life one step at a time, trusting your feeling system and letting go of the idea that it's your job to make up the future. You're like, yeah, no, it is that simple. And it's that tricky, you know? So, um, Matteo, we have a closing tradition on this podcast, and I know you've listened to a few, so you, you've probably been thinking about and have come up with something um, already. But um, we ask all of our guests what would be their bumper sticker for life and we would love to hear what yours would be i would probably say that if there is one thing that you take out of this beautiful at least for me an hour hour and a half of conversation of all the things we said remember that ultimately all it matters is the flying carrot (laughs) yeah baby that's a corker i love that the flying carrot. <laughs> My wife will love that. You know, that's that's that, that's with a. That's going to the top of the pile. This has been great, and Matteo, thank you so much for 
for spending the time with us and and you know and and sharing your 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 story uh, and being vulnerable because I think it's it's wonderful for people who do dial into this to to hear these stories um, and get encouragement, uh, courage, uh, curiosity about how this unfolding takes place for people and and how it might take place for them. So yeah, just very grateful and so wonderful to spend this time with you. Thank you for having me. Both has been an absolute honor. I'll just echo what Mark said, really to round out from my side. First of all, like I get to have the pleasure of talking to you uh, regularly, but it's been fun to kind of go on these explorations and to really hear like how someone lives truly living their life in the present moment. And so I love that. The bit that stuck with me is going to be, you said, whether you land on your feet or on the flat of your back, it's all good. And I just love that expression. But um, so thank you very much. It's been an awesome conversation. Um, I know that our listeners are going to uh, love it and appreciate it as well. Um, and so uh, I think that's a wrap for this week. Another episode in the bag. I hope people listening that you enjoy it, um, that you take something from it. If, as always, you have questions, comments that are sparked by this, please do share them. We love for these conversations to be to be sparked by what's going on in your world or what's going on in your mind. So please do share with us. And until. Uh, so until next week we bid you adieu and um, have a good rest of your day wherever it is you are listening to this cheers and bye thank you for joining us on this enlightening journey unraveling the innate brilliance within every human being we hope today's episode has sparked new thoughts and inspired fresh perspectives remember the power to shatter illusions and unleash your true potential lies within you If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite platform. If you'd like more insights and daily doses of inspiration, you can follow me on Instagram at alkennycoaching. Or you can connect with myself and Mark on LinkedIn, uh, where we will share articles and perspectives about unlocking your innate brilliance. Remember, you are capable of extraordinary things. Keep believing. Keep exploring and keep shining brightly. Take care and stay brilliant.